What a marvelous image the church sets before us to reflect on today as Jesus Christ, as our King. So far in chapter 18 of the Gospel of John, we've had Jesus' nighttime encounter with Judas Iscariot and the band of soldiers. And it, there, Jesus was doing the interrogating. Whom are you looking for? He then questions Simon Peter after he vainly lashes out, cutting off a man's ear, trying to prevent Jesus from being captured. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? Jesus is then bound and taken to the high priest Annas, while Simon Peter and the beloved disciple follow at a distance. In between Simon Peter's first and second denials of Jesus, we learn about Annas' questioning of Jesus, who simply returns with the question. Why ask me? Annas then sends him off to Caiaphas. And in the meantime, the evangelist spotlight shifts to Simon Peter and his weakness on full display. He denies even knowing Jesus, much less being a disciple. And then the evangelist tells us that Jesus goes to Caiaphas, but we don't know anything that happened there, who then sends him to Pilate. So the cock crows, the sun rises, and we find ourselves with Jesus in the presence of the Roman governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate. The high priests and the crowds have already condemned Jesus, presumably a blasphemy, and so deserving of capital punishment. Like St. Stephen, the first martyr and saint of the church, Jesus should have been stoned to death, according to the law. But the people and the Jewish authorities have a dilemma. They can't execute him that day for the same reason that they would not enter the Gentile Pilate's residence. It would make them ritually impure to celebrate the Passover. But if the Romans execute Jesus, they remain pure. And an added bonus for having the Romans kill Jesus is that they would almost certainly crucify him, making him a public spectacle. Think about it, this is particularly attractive because Jesus had so often made fools of them when they tried to entrap him. So not only would Jesus' death be agonizing and drawn out for him personally, but it would also be very, very public. Now we know that the Passover celebrates the liberation of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt a central event, certainly of Jewish history, but really of salvation history as well. The crowds and the authorities envy, rage, and what other, whatever other powerful emotions are at work have completely blinded them to whom they are condemning. In their desire to celebrate the Passover, 
they are missing an even greater reality right in front of them. God about to free all of humanity from sin and death. Now the witnesses in this farcical trial are unwilling to testify against Jesus and to his crime. So Pilate asked Jesus to incriminate himself with the simple question, what have you done? Jesus gives a simple answer, but one that is very profound, to testify to the truth. In one answer, the evangelist sums up all that Jesus has done for the last three years in his public ministry, all that fulfills all that the prophets said the Messiah would do, heal the sick, free the possessed, give sight to the blind, raise the dead, and preach the good news to the poor. Yet hours before this encounter with Pilate, Jesus did something else, something completely unexpected. In his Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus identified himself with the Passover lamb and gave his disciples his very body and blood under the symbols of bread and wine and the command to do it again and again until he comes again. So not only did the eternal and very truly King of the Jews do all that was foretold of him for centuries, but here he is in his full royal authority and majesty before this pagan functionary, personally taking on not only the sin of the Jewish people, but of all people. And he was about to do that personally, himself, by dying and destroying the power of death from within. Talk about power. In the Gospel of Matthew, just before his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Jesus gave his disciples this final teaching. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here is how the King of Kings exercised his royal authority, giving up his life as a ransom for us all. In baptism, every Christian is made a sharer in Christ's kingship. It's not a kingship of splendor, power, and earthly grandeur, but rather a kingship of service to one another and of surrender to the will of our Heavenly Father. 
It is allowing the Father to, as St. Paul would say some decades later, make power perfect in your weakness and in mine. And today we celebrate that reality in the life of Jesus, our King, power being made perfect in weakness. Our challenge as his followers is to grasp on to his greatness and to allow his power, the power of his death and resurrection, his authority to rule over us and to radiate from us in all that we say and we do.